0: covering all aspects of milwaukee brewers baseball it's time for brewers extra innings the podcast here is your host matt Pauley,
1: and we do welcome you into another edition of brewers extra innings the podcast we are powered by wtmj mobile my name is matt Pauley. really appreciate you being with us as uh, i've got you for the next 30 40 50 minutes we'll see how long this thing ends up going today as we talk all things milwaukee brewers baseball First and foremost, let's get a few of the housekeeping items out of the way as we uh, generally do to get the program started. If you do listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, if you can leave a review, that would be uh, fantastic. It helps us uh, get out to uh, a few more people. And also, if you ever want to get in contact with me, whether you have a general comment about uh, the podcast or you want to uh, respond to something uh, inside of the podcast, uh, you can always uh, get at me by uh, tweeting at me, at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air is the Twitter handle, and that's how you can uh, reach me. We've got a lot to get into uh, here on the program. Tim Muma is going to be our featured guest during our social media conversation. conversation we're really getting to the point now in spring training games where numbers and stats are actually starting to matter a little bit we're not totally there we're still a little bit out from it having the the importance of maybe determining roster spots, but we can start to take a look at things. We can start to see what guys are doing and start to get a little bit of an indication on maybe who's got the inside track for a job here and there. I think somebody who has really kind of step forward and probably is a, a kind of a leader in the clubhouse for a job right now is Wade Miley in the starting rotation. He has absolutely pitched well so far, and he's a veteran guy. He's got experience. He came into camp uh, in in very good shape from everything we understand. Tim Muma's going to talk about this a little bit in a little while, but uh, Derek Johnson, the Brewers pitching coach, there were some things that he wanted to do with Wade Miley. So, again, there's going to be guys who in early March uh, still have – uh, pretty good spring trainings going that won't end up making the team, but it's fun to look at the box scores, look at the numbers. Uh, you know, three weeks isn't that long long a time, and really we're, we're we're a little bit more than three weeks out from the start of the regular season. The regular season starting in the month of March of this year. I know I opened up the the podcast last week talking about this, but. Uh, one of the items that I continue to be very intrigued with is what's going to happen with Ryan Braun at first base. And he's played a few games there. He's had some really good moments, making some really, really good plays. He's had some not-so-good moments as well. Uh, He committed an error in a game on Sunday. So can he get himself into a position where he can play a substantial amount of first base? And for me, it only matters if he can play of a substantial amount of first base. Because if you're looking at Christian Yellich in left field, Lorenzo Cain in center field, and Domingo Santana in right field as kind of being that everyday alignment – and then you play Braun and left, and maybe take those days to give uh, either Santana or Kane a day off. And Yelich plays in that position. Uh, to me, like the, there's only so many at bats, and I know people out there gonna say, "Well, there's there's a way that all those guys can play the outfield and can get enough at bats." And it, I think that's just gonna be a real that's gonna be a challenge. That that's gonna take so much work from Craig Council's part to do that and it's going to require games to go exactly the way that, they, that they're that they kind of constructed to go for that to happen where you're lifting guys for defensive replacements and pinch hitters and everything. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. So that's t- that continues to be the number one storyline and until we get a more definitive statement on anything, until Craig Council says, you know what, Ryan Braun's going to play some first base but he's probably not going to play more than 20 games there, more than 30 games there. He's not going to be much more than a you know a, a chance where if we want to keep him in the game on a uh, on, on a defensive substitution or a double switch we can move him over to first base and, and bring you know take the first baseman out and bring in somebody new to play left field like until we get a definitive statement it's going to continue to be something that I'm very very interested in and we just have to kind of sit back and, and wait and watch and see how these spring training games go, especially in a couple weeks or so when uh, you know a lot of guys are sent back to minor league camp and you start to get a better idea of what it's going to look like with the Brewers come the regular season. Again, on the program this week, Tim Muma is going to join us during our social media conversation. That's coming up in just a few moments, but right now let's get to our headlines of the week.
0: It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of a summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week there was with Matt's Headlines of the Week.
1: Headlines of the Week, spring training does continue on. You you can talk about wins and losses. They don't matter that much. Some of the other things uh, do matter a little bit. Probably the biggest news this past week was the injury to Stephen Vogt. The uh, Brewers, you know, you presume him to be the backup catcher. I know there's a battle there with Jet Bandy, but I think most people would have said that Stephen Vogt uh, absolutely has the inside track on that number two catching position behind Manny Pina going into the regular season. Well, maybe that changes a little bit because he can't throw. And that's the part of his game that needs the most work. To his credit, he put a ton of work into it in the offseason, but you have to be able to show it off during the course of spring training, and he's not going to be throwing for a while. He can do pretty much everything else. Uh, he, can, he can receive pitches. He can bat. He can do everything but throw at this point in time. Uh, they're hopeful to get him back throwing, and then once they get him back throwing, he's probably going to very much uh, go on a on an accelerated program at that point to uh, to get things back rolling. Mentioned this in the opening segment. Uh, Ryan Braun committed his first air at first base on Sunday, but for the most part, he's playing pretty well. He's made some really, really good uh, borderline highlight real worthy type plays. So the longer he plays there, the more opportunities he gets, the more comfortable he gets, uh, continues to just add to the very intriguing storyline of what the outfield-slash-first-base alignment is going to look like. And it's more than just Ryan Braun. Look, there's a lot of of different storylines to it. And, And, you know, Jesus Aguilar, does he have a spot on this roster? If Domingo Santana's on the team, Aguilar's probably not. He's probably the guy that ends up uh, losing out and you think about his impact that he had on the team last year and now all of a sudden yeah just months after last season comes to an end, he might not have a job anymore uh, it's uh it's a noteworthy development from a uh, starting pitching standpoint told you that Wade Miley probably has the has an inside track at least at the moment. Again, we we always tell this to you, we're recording this on Sunday night, it's almost 10.30 on a Sunday night as I am speaking at this moment, so things can absolutely change in one direction or another, but Miley, through his first couple games, four and a third innings, has given up uh, just four hits, no runs, seven strikeouts, no walks, a good start for Wade Miley. Giovanni Gallardo, he's, he... By the numbers, he has struggled a bit. He's got a 7.20 ERA in three games, although uh, manager Craig Council has absolutely found some positive things from him here uh, recently. Uh, Jaleesh Chassin has made three appearances, 1.59 ERA, and he's got most of his pitches working right now. That looks to be uh, a good signing and, and, and seems to be going well here in the early going. We, we can read all the numbers of all these guys, uh, but that that's kind of where things are, uh, are sitting right now in terms of, but in that rotation I think right now uh, you look at Wade Miley as probably having the inside track on what you would probably call the number four spot in the rotation and then it's everybody else who are, are continuing to compete uh, Junior Gara made three appearances, 1.50 ERA Five strikeouts, only one walk, that's notable. Walks was something uh, that really bit him where you don't want to get bit last year. So uh, Junior Gare is somebody, uh, to me, and, and we'll talk about this with Tim Muma here in just a little bit, I think Wade Miley's. if things continue the way they are right now, and again, there's so much time left in spring training, and numbers can go a different way, and you know, hitters in spring will, will start to catch up with the pitching here, and, and then... It, the numbers kind of become more legit, for lack of a better term, but but as we sit right here, if Miley's your four guy, I I, I feel like that five spot is become between Junior Guerra and and Brent Suter at this point. And that's no disrespect meant to Giovanni Gallardo, to, to Brandon Woodruff, to anybody who's in that, you know, Aaron Walters, anybody who's competing right now for that spot. But I think uh, the six guys, the, the top three, and then Miley, Guerra, and Suter to me, or that's that's where things are going uh, at this point in time, and we'll just we'll just wait. I keep saying that, but we'll just have to wait and see uh, how that ends up all playing out. And then one other note, uh, courtesy of Baseball America, the Brewers are expected to sign a 15-year-old Venezuelan shortstop. His name is Eduardo Garcia. Now he is 15 years old, so this is not exactly somebody that you're going to be seeing uh, play in Miller Park at some point in the next uh, year or two. But uh, he is considered one of the top talents uh, in Venezuela in this year's international signing class. The international signing period will begin on July 2nd, so they can't officially sign him until that point in time. All right, that is uh, this week's Headlines of the Week.
0: After every Brewer's game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now.
1: Brewers X Trains, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We do continue on as we uh, are very happy to be able to get into our social media conversation. And this week, we welcome on to the program. You can read him over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma. That's M-U-M-A, as you would expect. Based off that Twitter handle, it is Tim Muma. Tim, always good to talk to you. How are you doing today?
2: Real well. Always well, a
1: pleasure to talk with you as well, Matt. Let's, uh, to me, the most interesting storyline right now in Brewers spring training is the the Ryan Braun first base stuff. And more than anything else, it's because not everything is adding up. And that's what kind of bugs me about it. Because if, if Craig Counts is going to go out and say, you know, Christian Yelich is pretty much our, our left fielder and, you know, th- there's there's been nothing in terms of trading Domingo Santana and then they're talking about Ryan Braun playing first base but not playing there too terribly much like the the numbers just don't add up in terms of guys starts at bats all that sort of stuff what do you take away from this situation right now
2: I have a lot of the same you know worries and concerns and and really just uncertainty of how they're going to figure that out um I think Combs did a great job last year of mixing and matching and, and getting guys in, and you know he doesn't look at it. He says as starters and bench. He sees it as a whole, you know, group of players that play different positions. Um, I still have a hard time seeing Braun play that much first base. I know he's working hard there. It's just everyone thinks you can put anybody there and they play it. But the guy hasn't played infield in ten years, and you're getting up there in age, and I just don't know that a spring training is enough to really get you that comfortable. So. To your point there, I don't know how much he plays at first base. And then the way Council, yeah, kind of pigeonholed Yelich and Braun. So, yeah, Yelich is in this spot, and Braun's actually going to play some there too, and Braun's not going to play in right field. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I guess a part of me thinks they, they're just kind of playing poker with everybody, or so that they believe that they have no need to trade Domingo Santana, but to your point, there's been, like, no chatter about that. Um, I guess if I'm Council, I'm probably anticipating – you're going to have guys miss due to injury. I mean, Kane plays a, a rough center field, and I mean, that in a positive way. Uh, and you got Braun, who obviously has had his naked injuries over the years. So I feel like it's kind of like a, what the Dodgers have done the last couple of years with their pitching staff, where they're, you know, sneak a guy with a 10-day DL, and then he comes back off, and you put a different guy on there. I don't know if that's the way they're looking to play it and just trying to keep as much depth as possible or what. I mean, it gives the lineup a scary look every single day because you're always going to have a... a strong group of hitters uh but like you I, I just i have a hard time figuring out how exactly they're going to make it all work keep everybody happy and and really keep them in the swing of things because as you know i mean baseball is a repetitive game and if you get guys in and out too much it might actually hurt the performance in the long run
1: and they didn't go acquire christian Yelich to have him platoon and left with ryan right. braun
2: yeah for sure for sure
1: it's one of two things is going to happen in my in my estimation Either they're just playing chicken right now with all the other teams out there, making them believe that they're fine with Domingo Santana, and this is all just a ploy to try to uh, get as much as they can out of a Domingo Santana trade, or we are going to see Ryan Braun play more first base than anybody is expecting him to play. Like Those are the only two uh, solutions outside of injury or something unexpected, but as far as things that are, that can be counted on right now, aren't those the only two answers?
2: That's the way it feels. I mean, if you break it down and everything goes perfectly according to plan, of you know when you when you mix and match starters, when you might bring in a defensive replacement or a pinch hitter and he stays in the game. I mean, there is technically enough plate appearances to go around, innings to go around, when you factor in the DH and all that. But then you're also messing with things. And I know people got a little down on Aaron Thames at the end of last year and uh, after the terribly hot start that he had, which actually probably made it worse for him because you he knew he was coming back down to earth. Uh, you know, he's a guy you got to give his head back to, especially against righties. You know, he, he was terrific for the most part against right-handed pitching. So, you know, I, and it's just really hard to see. I I guess for me, I don't understand why you can't play Yellich more often in right field. I know he doesn't have the arm of a traditional right fielder, but I'd rather my right fielder be able to track balls down and make plays in the outfield. Because your left fielder in the big leagues, as you know, is, is where you put your your least talented defensive hitter uh, because typically you're getting you know easier balls to track, and, and a lot of left fields aren't as big as right field. So I, I think there are a lot of options there. Maybe when Council first said that he was talking more in spring training that he's going to play mostly left field as far as the LH, because I think there's plenty of opportunity to move him around the outfield um, and not mess with him too much, because he, he is a good athlete. He does track balls well, even if he doesn't have the arm that you'd want in right field. So... You know, it's going to be fascinating to see. And maybe as the the week's on here with the uh, spring training, you hear more talk about Santana. Of course, with J.D. Martinez off the market, too. Um, I'm still waiting for that shoe to drop, but it, they're certainly selling this. Like, Braun's going to be playing a good, and, uh, you know, I guess see how that experiment goes.
1: Do you see any scenario where a Domingo Santana and a Jesus Aguilar can both be on the 25-man roster?
2: No, I don't think there's any way, especially when council basically said we're going with 13 pitchers. I mean, you definitely need that versatility, which they love anyway. You have essentially now three guys who are going to play first. And I shouldn't say gonna, but could. I mean, P- Irwin Perez has played first before, obviously, Thames, and then Braun. Um, I, there's just no room for it. Not on an NL Ross, you have 13 pitchers, so... You know, Aguilar has another guy who kind of tailed off at the end. I know he came up with a big hit. Asking if he could ever make it the big leagues. Uh, it might be something where he's part of a smaller deal or he's thrown in as part of a package, maybe with rocks' Although, again, uh, Sid and Phillips have options, so why not send him down the minors and, and keep that depth? Um, but just, yeah, it certainly sounds like he's the guy man out, especially if Santana's still on the roster. And think you it's not guarantee that you can keep uh, another only spaceman on the roster when you're gonna go with that large hopefully he has a huge spring and you can you know convince a team that hopefully did last year and he's still looking to this year that you can get maybe some kind of small piece for him or you include him as part of a package and, and bring a, a talented guy back that you're looking at.
1: We're talking with uh, Tim Buma. You can read him over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. A lot of things to uh, get into. From the starting rotation wise, obviously we have a pretty good idea who those first three spots are going to go to. Uh, it's a it's a battle right now for the final two spots. There continues to be a lot of you know fan desire for the Brewers to go sign one of those guys that are out there. But right mm-hmm. now, pretty solid competition going on for, with a with a gaggle of guys. Uh, what what two individuals do you think maybe have? Uh, that inside track right now for spots four and five in the rotation.
2: Right now, I would lean toward Wade Miley and Junior Guerra. and the reason I, I say that is I know Miley hasn't had any great years in, in a number of seasons, but Jeff Bandy, was said on one of the telecasts that he had said uh, you know Miley has really stood out. Um, Derek Johnson, part of the reason they signed him was that you know Derek Johnson said he saw a couple things that they could change. Um, he's obviously looked good in spring. What that means, you know, sometimes you don't really know. Um, but I also think because you have a guy like Woodruff who you want to keep for depth, he has, again, options to get onto the minors. So he, there's no real need to keep him up unless he really was wowing you, and I wouldn't say he's been doing that so far. And then Junior Gary, you know, he's interesting because he, he was your opening day starter last year. And obviously two years ago he burst onto of the scene and he was phenomenal. Last year was a struggle from the get-go, and, and, you know, obviously the injury set him back. He didn't pitch in winter ball at all. This year he kind of went back on his regular schedule, and, and it seems like the Brewers are been to give him that opportunity again because he's got no place to go other other than with the Brewers or, you know, to be left-go. Um, and then you have someone like Brent Seager, who I just think he's the perfect man. He's a guy you can bring out of the bullpen, make a spot start, fill in if you have an injury. So I don't see him being like that guy, the fourth or fifth starter they're going to stick with. I think they like him in that swingman role, and it seems like his personality it works. He's one of those guys that's not going to matter where you put him. Um, you know, Gara, Miley, older guys maybe they don't have that uh, that ability to do that. But as I look at, it, I think that I think that's probably where they're leaning. Unless you have an injury or you see something over the course of the spring that would change your mind, it, it, it's. I just have that feeling that they're going to stick with those two guys, give them a chance. And if it doesn't work out, then you still have your depth that you can reach down to, whether it's Suter or Woodruff or, or someone else from the minors, uh, depending on how far along you are in the season. But uh, like you said, it doesn't appear they're going to go hard after any of the available free agent pitchers. Um, they seem comfortable that out, and they're going to roll with it, and they're going to trust their, their uh, coaching staff, especially Derek Johnson, and, and, uh, and, and just see what they can do at least to start the season, and then they can make some changes if they feel the need to.
1: You mentioned the the workload for junior gear and kind of the routine because Last year he, he was a little bit banged up after the season and, and they cut short uh, his time playing winter ball. And even Adam McAlvey wrote about this this past week at Brewers.com that you know the, the Brewers had the best in mind for Guerra last year when they mm-hmm. stopped him from pitching a bit in wintertime. But maybe it, was a, maybe it was a bad decision. How key is it for a guy like Guerra to come into spring training this year on that routine that he had been on throughout most of his career?
2: Well, And that's the thing, you know, pitching, it, that's how we're never going to solve, in my opinion, the idea of what what makes a good pitcher good or what you can do to prevent an injury. Because every guy is just different. I mean, it's. I just think it's one of those things you're never going to solve. I mean, I've coached youth baseball for a number of years. I've done coached some high school, even a little bit of college. And it's just every guy is different. And for Guerra, it seems like he needs that extra workload. He needs to keep that consistency going throughout the entire year where he's only giving himself a little bit of a break. And, you know, whether it's just the the physical nature of it that somehow it affects his, his body and how he pitches, whether it's somehow the layoff, you know, causes him to lose too much of a, a feel at his pitches or whatever it is. Um, you know, I think it is important to cater as much as you can to each individual, whether it's mentally or physically. And, and to your point, I think Junior you know, just just needs that, Sort of jumpstart getting into spring training. Um, you know, I, I, I can't remember if he pitched well in spring training last year, but it, it must not have been a disaster if they were going to have him be the opening day starter. Um, so I think there is something to it for him. Obviously, he's a veteran guy. you are not looking at him like, oh, we have to protect him because we want to put a big investment on his arm for the next 10 years. And, and he knows he's got to perform because he doesn't have much time left. So I think there's just a little bit something there both on the mental side and physical side where he needs that consistent routine. He needs to be already kind of getting the pieces moving before you get to the the structured version of baseball that is spring training. And, uh, you know, I hope it works out for him, both for his sake and for the Brewers' sake, because um, the way he pitched a couple years ago, if he can be even a fraction of that on a consistent basis at the back end of the rotation – with this offense, I, I just think that could be a huge boost for them, um, especially at the start of the season, where I think it's going to be really important for them to get off the real quick
1: start. The most notable injury so far, Stephen Vogt. Can't throw. He's going to be able to go out there and take some at-bats, DH at times, things like that. But you know, for, for the part of his game that was most criticized, for him not to be able to show off any potential improvement from how much work he put in in the off season, how worried are you about... Uh, that's uh, look. I, I I'm not. ai don't know about you, and and feel free to disagree on this. I'm I'm not a big believer in Jet Bandy. I didn't think he had much of a chance of really sticking around. I thought it was going to be Manny Pena and Steven Vote almost no matter what. But now all of a sudden, votes banged up, and we don't know totally when he's going to be able to throw again. Are you concerned about that situation right now with the backup catching position?
2: It's definitely a little iffy. I mean, outside of Bandy's, uh, you know, kind of hot start last year. Uh, when he was up with the big club. You're right, there's not a whole lot there to, to necessarily be excited about or trust that going can be able to even handle a part-time role uh, successfully. Yeah, that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, I mean, in the grand scheme of things you're talking about, in essence, the backup pressure and again, I know Council likes to rotate them pretty well to make sure that everyone stays fresh. Um, so for the most part, maybe it's not that big of a deal, but it could come up and bite you a few games here and there, and and as we saw last year, and as we've we see we've seen over the course of the history of baseball, a few games in April, a few games in May might cost you a playoff spot when it comes to the end of the season. So uh, obviously they're in a little bit of a bind. I know they've brought in a couple guys and over the off season as far as catching goes. I don't know how much of a look they're really giving them or an opportunity to make the big league club. Uh, the vote thing is is obviously unfortunate for him. Like you said, he was putting the work in by all accounts to, to really improve his arm and, and uh, you know, Step up the game a little bit on the defensive side, and this is just going to be a setback. Um, but potentially, maybe it helps the Brewers in some way, and that vote has to be on the DL, go on a minor league rehab assignment. Uh, maybe, you know, so Bandy has that backup role for a month, and then vote comes in and steps up, and, and maybe Bandy sneaks through waivers. Uh, you, know, you never really know how these things work out. Obviously, catching is such a tough position to fill, so. It maybe it ends up being a blessing in the sky because it, it allows the Brewers to keep some depth while at, at that position. But, um, you know, as far as real trust or, or faith in Bandy to, to be an impact player of any kind, it's hard to see it. Um, but, uh, you know, you just never know how it's going to pan out, and you hope that Pena can do what he did last year and, and really take the majority of those starts, and then you're not so worried about what Bandy's contributing over at least the early part of the season
1: the odd offseason continues and I know we're into spring training it's not technically the offseason but with so many with so many free agents still out there there are still some offseason aspects to what's going on and you know, you read some of the insider reports and it sounds like you know the Brewers are are talking to this guy or talking to that guy? We thought, you know, they had the big offer to you, Darvish, and now as more information comes out, maybe they didn't actually have that offer to Darvish. We we know there's some of the the national insider types that do have pretty good sources inside of uh, Miller Park, but also some that don't, and the Brewers are probably as locked down as uh, any team in in Major League Baseball. But it, yeah. again, everything's not adding up in terms of. There's still being a little bit of smoke in terms of, you know, the Brewers being interested in, you know, player X or player Z, but then not really seeing anything happen. Do you where are you at in terms of belief that the Brewers are going to add and maybe another impact player to this roster before the start of the regular season?
2: Well, you know, first of all, like you said, it's such a weird spot we're in because it, it still feels like the off season, even though we've had some training games for a week now. And I literally, every couple of days, like, man, I mean, Jake is still available, Alex Cobb is still there. It's just really weird. Uh, but as far as what the Brewers are doing, I think Stearns is just, is just holding his guns here as far as, okay, we're comfortable enough with the starters we have. And uh, we're not going to budge on our price. If they want to meet us, if it's a free agent deal and they want to meet us with what we're looking for, fine. If not, we'll roll with the guys we have. So as far as the pitching side, I, I just get the sense that's where stern is, and I think overall that's how he plays it. Unless he really sees a, you know, a, a true difference to make. like Christian Yelich, where he did, you know, he really anted up with uh, with the minor league players he, he dealt. Um, i just get the sense that stones is fine with where we're at we'll, we'll figure it out as we go along we think we have enough talent we have the right coaching staff and uh, we're not going to worry too much about trying to you know overbid another team or go that extra year for a guy we, we really don't want to uh, i think the one curious spot still is is that neil Walker is available yeah. and i know uh i know Kyle from blue crew ball had, you know just thought it was ridiculous but apparently he was offered a minor league deal i mean this is a guy that's been a consistent performer for a number of years. And, and, yeah, he's getting up there in age, and maybe his defense and his range isn't isn't uh, all that great, but he's just a hitter. You know, he's just always been a professional hitter. And, of course, there's uncertainty with the Brewers between VR and Sogard and even Perez if they can, you know, if somebody's going to step up at second base. So that one I still think is a little interesting because I could see Walker taking a one-year deal to come back to Milwaukee simply because he had success. It seemed like he enjoyed it here, and you never really know. Um, so that would be the one I'd still kind of keep an eye on because I just don't know where he where he can wind up it seems like no team really needs a second baseman um, but as far as the pitching goes yeah I, I think they're I think like you said before they're, they're just going to stand pat unless something just dramatically changes whether it's by injury or one of those pitchers decides yeah you know what I'm going to take this left deal I'm going to go to Milwaukee and make a difference and I have a hard time seeing that happening.
1: Wouldn't you love to be able to see like a list of contracts that were offered in, say, like oh. December? You know, that guys immediately turned down because they thought, oh, I can do a lot better than this, and now all of a sudden they can't get anything close to what they were probably offered three months ago.
2: Oh, that would be that would be amazing. Just to just to know what those conversations were and who said no because. Look, we, we know, especially some agents, that they're the ones that are calling the shots and the player just completely trusts them. And, and maybe now they're looking back and like, man, I just, I may have cost myself, you know, millions upon millions of dollars. And, and I know there's always the debate of, uh, you know, is there collusion and why do we, why do people side with the the owners in all this situation? And I think what it comes down to is, to your point, like, I can't imagine turning down Eighty million dollars or forty million dollars. I mean, and I get it. I get there's a uh, there's a respect thing. There's a there's a this is how I feel I should be valued thing. But man when it, when you break it down to just that, those numbers, it, it's it's hard to imagine guys are saying no to that. Um, and, and early in the offseason, I get it because you, you feel okay. There's a conversation here. and We're gonna talk to this team, and there'll be some back and forth. Um, but now, yeah, you get into March and I think that they got to start wondering, like, am I going to get anything out of this? Am I going to have to do a, a one year deal to prove myself again and hope I don't get hurt where I cost myself even more money? So I, I just think some of the, to your point, I think seeing the numbers, I think hearing some of the conversations between the players and their own agents and figuring out, OK, when when do I budge here? When do I blink? Because I don't want to sit out till June and then who knows what happens. Um, if it does get to that point. So I, I, I've i always said I'd love to be applying to any of these conversations, trades, free agency, uh, you know, player and his agent, maybe the GM and his owner because the owner might be thinking, hey, I'll, I'll pay the extra cost, and the GM's like, eh, I don't know, Mark, let's not talk to Boris about uh, Arietta in a five-year deal because you know those side conversations happen, so. Um, To to have have any inside info on that stuff would be absolutely awesome, and uh, maybe one day I'll be able to do that.
1: Tim, before I let you go, one of your uh, more recent pieces—you uh, you basically put together an all-25-year sort of team for the Brewers going back. And I love stuff like that. It's fun to to go back and see everybody's opinion. And you know, uh, th- there's no right or wrong answer for for some. There's right or wrong answers to, for a few spots, but for the most part, there's no right or wrong answer to that. Uh, what's been the re- and, and we encourage everybody to go read it for themselves. They can check it out um, at Brew Crew Ball. But what's kind of been the response to that?
2: I think I think for the most part, it was pretty positive. I mean, obviously, like you said, there's going to be opinions on uh, certain players from different eras, and, and I'll be honest, I, I took some extra time on it, because I, I don't like feeling like I might have missed something or missed someone, and, and I know there's always going to be some debate, and I, I think that's great. I think there's nothing wrong with that, um, but I think overall, it was positive. It was a fun thing to do. I think it's, um, even with the team, a uh, franchise like the Brewers that hasn't had a ton of Overall success, you like to have those individuals that, that you remember and they stand out. Or maybe you forgot about them and forgot how great they were. Um, you know, guys like Dave Nilsson was somebody I had in my bench for that 25 man roster. I mean, he was this big, left handed hitting Aussie who, you know, I mean, he had 400 on base percentage, played a little first, played a little outfield. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's just one of those, those kind of quirky things that you kind of remember, whether it was from your childhood or from, you know, 20s or whatever whatever era you kinda of remember. Um and I think it helps to me, it helps me appreciate that I've regardless of not seeing a World Series in my personal lifetime and not seeing many playoff games, you still get to see a lot of amazing talent, you know, roll through the franchise and um, you know, being able to, to kind of think back to Oh man it's so exciting when, when Braun and Fielder were coming up and and maybe you think, you know, you might, you might have loved a guy like Jeff Cirillo, the icon. Like, just hearing those names and kind of thinking back to even the, the memorable times you could have with, with those players, um, you know, that, that's what I really enjoyed. But the one thing that stood out and a lot of people mentioned is it's really hard to find starting pitching in the last 25 years with the Brewers franchise of guys who are good for a full season. Because you can have, yeah, you know, Branky, the year they traded into to the Angels, was having a terrific year. But, again, that was half a season. of course, everyone knows about CC Sabathia. And I had to put those guys in there because there's just more guys that have been that dominant other than Ben Sheets one season that, you know, he probably should have got more Cy Young both. But he was on a really bad team at the time. So, it, to me, it's just fascinating to look back. And I hope people can appreciate that and, and kind of uh, you know, have a little nostalgia there and then also be like, man, we – we have really struggled at times, but we've also seen some, some great talent over the years.
1: You can uh, read that piece. You can read everything that uh, Tim writes at Brew Crew Ball. Follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma. That's M-U-M-A. He spells Tim the normal way, T-I-M. Tim, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for uh, taking some time. And by the time the next time we have you on, uh, we'll probably be talking regular season baseball.
2: Oh, man, I can't wait. Anytime, man, uh, give me a call day or night uh Maybe we'll have some breaking news we can talk about sometime as well. So I always appreciate it.
1: That was Tim Muma joining us from Brew Crew Ball. We appreciate him taking some time with us here on the podcast as we do start to wrap things up for the day. Looking ahead to the schedule for uh, the Brewers this week. Again, we recorded this on Sunday night. Monday is really an off day. Uh, No games, and for the most part, guys will get to stay away from the facility. There are some guys who will have to go in and get a little bit of work done, but for the most part, that's a uh, stay-away sort of day, and then things will uh, ramp back up on Tuesday. They play road games uh, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, against the White Sox and Royals respectively. Uh, then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they set they're set for uh, three straight games in Maryville, Diamondbacks, A's, and Rockies. And uh, that is set to then uh, lead into the weekend. As far as the broadcast schedule goes on uh, WTMJ and across the uh, Brewers Radio Network on selected stations, uh, this week uh, we are going to have the uh, Thursday game against Arizona. That will be at 155. The Saturday game against Colorado, also at 1:55. And then on Sunday, uh, they'll play uh, at Cleveland in uh, Goodyear. That's a split sw- squad game. And uh, the broadcast time for that is going to be at 255 so you can hear those games on 620 a.m also the new fm uh, translator you can hear uh, if you're in the milwaukee area this doesn't quite have the reach that 620 has but for folks in the milwaukee area you can listen to uh, wtmj now at 103.3 on your fm dial that's going to do it for this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Once again, our appreciation to Tim Muma for joining us and also for you for uh, listening. Uh, feel free to tweet at me at Matt Pauly on air or drop me an email if you'd like, matt.pawley at wtmj.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week for another edition. It is Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile.
0: Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.